welcome to another edition of the Kings I Kick About. Uh, it's me and Alf as usual, and of course, it's been a busy couple of weeks in football, and uh, the action's going to come up thick and fast. So let's get into it. Where do you want to start, Alf? Um, I think it might be time to mix things up this week with where we start. Um, so uh, this is obviously a focus on English football here, but you know both supporters of the union here. So good to focus on the wider British context. Uh, Rangers obviously tonight uh, have the chance uh, to progress uh, from the Europa League group stage. Um, but that's really uh, not the story of their season. Um, and in Scotland, we are seeing a seminal moment uh, in football history as Rangers have had an absolutely unbelievable start to the season, which has coincided with a horrific run of form for Neil Lennon and Celtic. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, there are two aspects to this. Steven Gerrard has, of course, done an excellent job with what's been in his control. At the same time, Celtic haven't helped themselves either. But, you know, looking at Steven Gerrard as a player and a manager, what you can't fault about him at any stage of his career is his mentality. Uh, He's serious about football. He's serious about winning. And uh, he's, in terms of the mentality you want at a club, uh, in terms of team spirit, desire to win, commitment, you know, uh, no leniency for players who don't conform to what he wants to do in in terms of the commitment and whatnot. Uh, He's perfect for that. And I think Ro- so the likes of Rooney, Lampard and Gerrard have all got into management. I think uh, uh, Steven Gerrard is giving probably one of the, the best account of himself so far out, out, out of those three, I would say. Um, those values have certainly, um, been trans- have certainly been transferred onto the picture for this Rangers side. Um, epitomised by nothing less, I think, from the stats of uh, right-back uh, James Tavernier. Yeah, uh, who is uh, not only top scorer in the SPL, uh, but top assister, uh, and he's a right back. Um, obviously, uh, we uh, remember him from his uh, time at Rotherham United in mm. the forays into the championship. Uh, but he really has excelled in Scotland. And I mean, the, the, the back line is at the crux of this uh, run of form for Rangers, or well, not run of form, really. I think that's, you know, kind of harsh way of putting it this new. Um, style of playing this new consistent form of winning uh, Borna Barisic Croatian international left back starting Croatian international evening and Philip Herrn the left footed compliments Conor Goldson really nicely used also uh, with a Charlton link with Joe Rebo many thought it was yes, a, indeed many thought it was a poor move for him to go up there of all places but I think he's made the best of it he's comfortably starting the team and he's living up to Gerard's standards and, uh, you know, him and the likes of the experience someone like Scott Arfield provides and the likes of Conor McGregor, uh, Conor McGregor uh, Alan McGregor, uh, <laughs> these sorts of people, there's a very good mix of youth and experience and quality. And, yeah, they've been uh, very competent with their transfer strategy. Yes. Um, I mean, we have also further links with this podcast with uh, Kamar Roof, my, my, my print. Uh, the transfer strategy, um, uh, you know, it, it, it seems as if um, when they signed Borna Barisic, for example, uh, as well as Nikola Kacic, um, oh, they just played Oziek in the Europa League and they've just signed two of their players. Um, but it's clearly more calculated than that. Uh, 
Uh, Cedric Hitton, their new striker, is a really interesting example of that. I mean, um, uh, it's two first games for Switzerland last season uh, in November. Uh, scored three goals in two games, uh, including a crucial last-minute goal at home to Georgia. Uh, he's con- continued to play f- well for them and, I mean, nearly won the league with Lowly St. Gallen um, uh, in the Swiss League last season. Uh, so, I mean, he's a... He's a player who's just waiting to get going, really. And, I mean, you know, Kamar Roof, I mean, you can't really uh, take him out of the team at the minute. Um, and, I mean, you know, Jermaine Defoe is still making effective cameos off the bench. Well, yeah, less off the bench, uh, poaching, getting those last-minute goals. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I think not just that, but Rangers' competence in Europe, uh, I want to talk about that a bit too, because yeah. that shows Steven Gerrard's tactical maturity. Yeah, and you know he has extensive experience. You know, in the late noughties, playing in some pretty good Liverpool teams in Europe, and yeah, especially in Rafa Benitez, Liverpool knew how how to grind out wins and get results for the sake of getting results in Europe, which is what you need to do. And Rangers are good at doing that. They have the right mentality and tactical arrangement to do that. And uh, yeah, that that's credit to Gerard. I, I think I think he's showing experience beyond his managerial years, to be honest. Uh, I mean, and, and perhaps the most exciting thing of all is that uh, logically this team isn't in its prime yet. Um, you know, Glenn, Kam- Glenn Kamara is still uh, young. Leon Balogun, I mean, they're looking to sign him permanently from Brighton. Uh, he's still young as well. Kamara Roof, yes, he's hitting the peak of his career. Um, Ianis Hadji, um, Bogdan Pietrasani's boy, uh, mm. you know, also uh, still young. And, uh, you know, that's balanced out so nicely uh, with uh, the. I mean, you know, Stephen Davis, you know, but at the heart of it all. Um, but as you said, Scott Arfield as well as another one and Jermaine Defoe. Um, so there's just there's just so many positives for them now. Um, and, uh, you know, far more positives to be had at Ibrox uh, than at uh, Celtic Park. Well, yeah, it, it's a mix of Neil Lennon. Uh, some have uh, fired shots at the players. It's a complete mess. And uh, even in their recruitment policy and just general... Yeah. Uh, attitude towards success, a hint of complacency, kind of, because they keep going on about ten in a row. But in terms of how to kind of, what what's the best way of uh, dealing with a rival who who's ambitious in their own right and having the right mentality to cope with that and you know build a solid foundation of their own? It's just not there with something, and they're paying for it. Well, I mean, we've always um, they they've always been very um. Uh, uh, you know, reluctant to commit to European campaigns, and that has cost them in recent years. And you know, yeah, uh, they've been well, even in the Brendan Rodgers when it was, you know, yeah, the yeah, exactly. peak of the decade it, in Europe, there was always disappointing. And in the league, well, Rodgers could just pretty much walk here every season. Uh, but I, I, I personally think it's it, it's a mixture of Neil Lennon, but also like um, uh, key players or areas of their squad. Um, becoming stale, not necessarily because of age, but uh, for, because of a variety of factors. So, for example, I think I think Chris Fire at centre back, and also Odson Edward up front, two young stars of the team, are both itching and, to be honest, ready for a move now. Um, yeah, Odson Edward, especially. I mean, we've seen him absolutely rip up the fronts under twenty ones, uh, top scorer, and yeah, well, fine. Um, Scott Brown, I mean. It, uh, his his legs are going to go at some point, and I mean, let's be honest, I think they've already gone. 
Um, and, you know, Callum McGregor just uh, doesn't have the same excitement around him that he did um, uh, a few years ago. And I mean, he's lost his place in the Scotland uh, starting 11 as well. Um, and so they're, they're, they're just, um, I, I think, for a, lot, a lot of minor problems at Celtic now, which have all culminated together to create um, uh, a fairly toxic atmosphere. And I mean, perhaps the biggest one of that is the upturn in form for Rangers, right? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, Celtic can't get away with it anymore. They need protection because yeah. that's how hard uh, uh, Rangers are pushing them. But, you know, the Celtic job is, a, is, is, is a, you know, if they get Neil Lennon out, get someone with fresher ideas, newer experience in, and I think bringing a director of football, if they want to adopt that model, or someone who gives them slightly more direction in just how to uh, attack Rangers. And... Uh, you know, the Celtic job is an attractive job, I would say, uh, especially for managers from places like the Netherlands and Germany who want a chance to manage the top club who regularly compete in Europe and have great support. Uh, don't forget Ronnie Dyler, of course, a relative nobody coming and doing a decent job there. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think Eddie Howe has been touted so far. I mean, I, I'm not sure why Eddie Howe would take that really. Um, so uh, they they definitely are lucky that this is the first season for I think over ten years um, where two Scottish sides will be involved in Champions League qualifying because they've improved their coefficient. Yeah, I, well, it's good for it's, it's not good for Celtic fans, but it's good for the Scottish game. Yeah, and uh, speaking of the Scottish game, uh, that gives us a nice uh, transition into our next topic. Obviously, Scotland arguably the story of the last uh, international break. Um, qualifying for their first major tournament in 22 years, banishing their playoff hoodoo, uh, the Euros playoff hoodoo, especially leading to England for Euro 2000 and the Netherlands for Euro 2004. And now the good news continues for them uh, because um, one of, at least, the best qualifying groups that they could have asked for, um, I mean, being a third seed, it was always going to be tough for them. Um, but uh, Denmark and Austria are uh, the two sides um, who have gone in their group uh, as well as Israel? I mean, that's that's kind of like the new um, <laughs> Argentina and Nigeria. That uh, the Faroe Islands as well. So only a short trip uh, across the North Atlantic for that one. And uh, I mean, what an opportunity this is for Scotland uh, to qualify uh, for a World Cup. And I mean, for Denmark and Austria as well. That's something. Yeah, it, it's it's a good opportunity, and those groups are. Uh, uh, they're interesting. I mean, if you don't mind me uh, talking a bit about uh, England's group, yeah, uh, I was quite disappointed that they uh, that, that that they drew uh, Moldova. No, 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 not Moldova. Sorry, uh, Andorra and San Marino. Andorra and yeah. San Marino. Yeah, because those fixtures are kind of duds, and that they're, they're pretty boring away days, and the results fairly, you know. Well, the thing in Andorra and San Marino is. Um... So let's start with San Marino. That is a very dull away day for England fans, uh, especially if it's not in the summer. And I mean, we've been there a lot recently, but I mean, uh, we'll take any away day at this point. Um, obviously, the last time we faced Andorra in qualifying, um, they were still renovating their national stadium and so had to play their games in Barcelona. Um, that's obviously the famous uh, David Nugent one-cap, one-goal tap-in game. Um, that will not happen this time. Um, Andorra's new national stadium only has a capacity of, I think, 2,000. Um, but, I mean, uh, which obviously England fans have taken as well, fear of a very small allocation. 
Um, but I mean, the world champions rocked up in 2019 and there were empty seats in the home end, which was, you know, a totally um, free for all tickets. Um, I would not be surprised in the slightest if it was a 50 50 split on tickets. Um, like, for example, when Sutton played Arsenal, for a domestic example, but also when Wales travelled to Andorra in 2014. Um, that was a similar case. Uh, so that would be a fun for England to go to Andorra itself. Um, but as for the other three teams in the group, it will be three great trips. I mean, Poland on paper, our toughest opponent. Hopefully they put the roof on this time in Warsaw. Yeah, in there'll be some tough games in Poland, of course. Uh, defence will have a handful with Lewandowski. Yeah, and... Uh, and uh, the likes of Matthews Click and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. And um a resurgent Hungary as well. Obviously that this, yeah. this is the 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 highlight of the away trips so definitely I'm looking forward to going for this one, Budapest away for the first time since two oh six. A new stadium uh to uh, indulge ourselves in. and you know as you said a reinvigorated co- a country, a team yeah. who are investing in their football and producing good players. So it won't be an easy Easy game. I mean, Hungary will be looking like they have an outside chance because I yeah. think they're definitely above Albania. They have a they have a they have a very good chance of finishing second. I think over against an overrated Poland team. Um, I mean, Dominic Szoboszla is going to turn into an absolute world beater, and um, uh, the players are continually improving around them. And I mean, Hungary have um, a batch of uh, Euro under seventeen semi finalists from twenty nineteen to come through. Um, uh, and I mean, you know, all of this uh, surrounding uh, Viktor Orban's famous and notorious investment into Hungarian football, both with youth academies and stadium be- building, which we now see with their new 68,000 seater, which will be used at the Euros. And um, hopefully we get a nice 10 grandish allocation for that. Um, and also with new stadiums, Albania, new national stadium. Uh, obviously, England, uh, the UK on very friendly terms with Albania. Uh, and so hopefully that will be a Kosovo-esque uh, away day. Um, it will be, you know, t- Tirana, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a proper Soviet-era place, you know, Albania. Yeah. You, you, you get to see some history if you go there. Yeah. Um, a very bizarre new stadium. If you haven't seen it, just Google um, Air Albania Stadium or New National Stadium. It looks more like a shopping centre um, than a stadium, which is a bit bizarre. Um, and uh, as for a, a mixed bag, really, uh, for the other home nations involved in the draw. I mean, with Wales, um, obviously they've like 99 point X many nines uh, percent have guaranteed themselves um, a playoff via the Nations League. And so, you know, it's a free hit, this qualifying group, as it were, really. Um, and from that, they'll perhaps be disappointed that their pot one team is such a strong side in Belgium. Um, yeah. Although they have a very, very strong record indeed against Belgium. Um, I mean, they're playing them in Brussels in their first uh, fixture, um, which will be a very difficult test. And um, yes, Wales fans will be optimistic with their record against Belgium, but at the same time, um, Belgium's Belgium's players will have that record fresh in their memory. Yeah, they'll want revenge, exactly. But yeah, Wales, I mean, the Czech Republic are are no pushover, so I think that'll be a tough game for Wales. But I think Belarus and Estonia, uh, Wales should relatively comfortably dispatch them. And quickly going back to uh, Scotland's group, yeah. uh, Denmark and Austria. Uh, what do you? Where do you see Scotland finishing in that? I think they have a very good chance of winning it. Uh, to be honest, um, yes, Denmark and Austria will logically improve over the next year, uh, but so will Scotland. Um, 
Scotland's new resolve and manner of playing will obviously be hard to beat. I think at the crux of who's going to win this group is going to be who doesn't slip up in Israel. Um, that's a very big banana skin. And I mean, look, Scotland lost there um, in the Nations League. Uh, only drew with them nil-nil after 120 minutes in their Nations League playoff and their Euro playoff semi-final, sorry. And lost there in 2018 as well, 3-2. Um you know, they're going to be incredibly tight games between Scotland, Austria and Denmark. Um, it may be, you know, we've got a bit of uh, quality from the top piece or something to break it down. Um, which, I mean, you know, it may, may see Denmark, um, Austria are notorious bottlers, even more so than Scotland, really. Um, obviously, and Scotland and Austria are both looking to qualify for their first World Cup since 1998. Um I mean, you, you, the, the, the betting man would probably edge for Denmark. Um, but, I mean, Scotland are banishing a lot of their demons at the minute. And um, I don't see any reason why they can't banish one more and qualify uh, for World Cup. Yeah, uh, as you said, they've got a very good chance. I think they can easily dispatch Israel and, and the Faroe Islands. And uh, you're yeah. right, they'll be tight they, games. They, but, they've uh, got... Um, would you say their experience will, uh, in terms of negotiating those playoffs yeah. and whatnot, put them in good stead to go to for the away trips to Denmark and Austria? Yeah, um, Scotland and Denmark will certainly deal with pressure games better than Austria. Um, Austria's the only pressure games that Austria have had over the last two years uh, have been at home to Moldova and at home to North Macedonia to qualify for the respective years in 2016 and 2020, whereas Scotland have negotiated two make or break games and Denmark have had not only their World Cup playoff against the Republic of Ireland but also the final qualifier of their Euro 2020 uh, Group D uh, qualifying group against them where they had to get a point at least um, they were the late siege very well um, so I think they have more metal um, I mean I mean, but you know Scotland you know they're straight in the deep end I mean Austria at home is their first fixture at Hampden um, and so and so that will be a really uh, really big game indeed um, and uh, you know you, you do want to start qualifying campaigns, campaigns well I mean look at the pressure that, that Wales had to deal with for example um, in their Euro 2020 qualifying group I mean they can have any slip-ups beyond uh, September um, Yeah So would you say Scotland have to win uh, well it would be good to win but would you say a draw is away at Denmark and Austria and beat them both at home would be enough? Yes, yes, I would. Um, because you have to remember uh, that Denmark and Austria will likely take points off each other. And um, uh, that, you know, as I say, Israel away, and even Israel at home, really, um, I do suspect uh, that, that one team at least will uh, drop points there. And I have a feeling that's going to be Austria. Um, I mean, uh, in uh, Tel Aviv uh, in March 2019, Israel. Absolutely battered Austria 4-2. Aaron Zahavi with four goals. Oh. Um, uh, no, a PSV. Uh, but yeah, it, it, that, that, that is going to be um, one of the tightest groups uh, uh, for sure in, in qualifying. Mm, indeed. So, uh, any other word on the yeah, qualifying well, I mean, or... <laughs> Like, it, it's, it's just such bad luck for Northern Ireland. It's going to be incredibly difficult for them to uh, get past Switzerland. I mean, it's not impossible Switzerland aren't as good as they were in 2017 when they played them in the World Cup playoff. 
and Northern Ireland will definitely be uh, be looking for events. I think two draws there uh, will be the aim. Um, and as for the Republic, I mean, uh, I'd do a very good draw for the Republic, uh, to be honest. I mean, Portugal will... <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, we all know of Ireland's um, uh, love of playing a big team. I mean, you know, Shane Long's goal and beating the world champions Germany in 2014. Um, and getting a point up there in Germany as well. I mean, they're always, they're always up for a big game. Uh, but Portugal will probably get eight wins out of eight from this group, and it'll be between uh, Serbia and Republic for that second place. And I mean, like, Serbia are as much in free fall as the Republic. Well, the Republic of Ireland is stalling under Neil. Uh, uh, Neil can eat Stephen Ken. Mick McCarthy? Yeah, no, no, Mick McCarthy's off in Cyprus now on holiday. Um Oh, cool. uh, and yeah, Stephen Kenny in the Nations League is yeah, as I say, stagnated them. But Serbia are regressing, uh, or just maybe not regressing, but just becoming more toxic. Um, Ljubica Tambakovic has really done nothing with them. Um, they were absolutely atrocious against Scotland in you know <laughs> the the biggest game of you know since um Brazil in the World Cup. Yeah. History. Uh, uh, and so um, the the Republic of Ireland have a really good chance against them. Uh, obviously, uh, them losing at home to Serbia in 2018 World Cup qualifying will be fresh in their memory, which was really the game that won Serbia the group. Um, and uh, like with uh, Belgium against Wales, um, the Republic will be looking to uh, avenge those demons as well. Another thing that has uh, caught my eye in the draw, um, <laughs> the thing that's done around on Twitter is the flags of Slovenia, Russia, Slovenia, Croatia, and Group H, which is quite funny. Um, but I think uh, something that's been overlooked is um, a Group B where Kosovo is on in that um, Greece, Spain, and Georgia, three of the four teams in their group, uh, all don't recognise Kosovo as a sovereign state, um, which is uh, going to be interesting. Uh, when um, uh, Spain especially are, uh, are forced uh, uh, to go out there. Well, they won't be welcome like England were, let's put it that way. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I mean, uh, Spain obviously um, still part of uh, NATO's coalition in the Kosovo War in 1998, so um, uh, uh, there is perhaps uh, that uh, saving grace for any uh, travelling Spaniards there. Um, which, I mean, aren't many, apart from Manuel uh, Del Momo. Uh, well, it, Kosovo is just a tricky uh, geopolitical question. Yes, yeah, indeed, so. indeed. But, yeah, I think that's the international seal all wrapped up. Uh, unfortunately, there isn't an international break till for the next three months, but when that's back, we will update you accordingly and we'll discuss all that goes on. But anyway, uh, let's move on uh, to the EFL. Uh do you want to do the EFL first? Uh, we, we can do the EFL. Starting with um, yeah. championship? Um, I, I, I think the, the, the story has to be weak. weak. I mean, we, we, we can't avoid, obviously, the, the, the situation um, at Millwall over the weekend. Um, and it was so nice to see on um, on, on Tuesday night um, uh, Millwall. Yeah, Stand in solidarity um, in our chair. Um, with the Black Power salute uh, as he scored, and you know Millwall fans are uh, applauding um, uh, the shared uh, show of anti-discrimination from Millwall and QPR before the game, which I thought was um, uh, a good sign. Uh, Had ironic, horrible well, yeah, situation on yeah. Saturday. Look, I I think it runs deep. I think uh, 
the, the Black Power and Black Lives Matter, they they, they yeah. go together. But yeah, but the BLM movement is being misconstrued as a as you know sort of as a Marxist tendency and whatnot. And there's a deeper question of semantics uh, within this yeah. issue. But it's complicated, and different people interpret it in different ways. And you know, I don't condone what Millwall did, and I don't agree with their assessment of it, at least with their fans think. But you know, I I just think there's no point, even if you do, maybe you disagree, booing it because you're only wasting your own breath. As you're, these are footballers, you're blowing something out of proportion. And they just created controversy that they didn't. I mean, create. it's a totally peaceful protest. Uh, is the thing, um, no antagonism really. Um, on the pitch, uh, which is what we want to be talking about. Um, yeah. Uh, Millwall are in a really bad run of form, uh, and well, I mean, maybe it's perhaps was... going a bit stale with Gary Rowett, or do we pull the rabbit out? Of well, that? Millwall, uh, some argue, are a very uh, one-dimensional yeah. team. They are reliant on the mercurial Jed Wallace. Uh, he's their top scorer with five goals this season, and the next top scorer has so one. Uh, yeah, so, and when he's not on form, they can't score, and well, as, as well as they could score. And uh, then you're too reliant on your defence, which, while competent, isn't the, isn't the greatest thing in the championship. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think one of it's the big... difficult for them to score, yeah. and I, th- I think one of the uh, biggest problems for them is um, obviously last season their tactic of um, as, as their two nominal strikers they have a glut of number nines in their target men number nines in their squad so John Daddy Bobson, Matt Smith, uh, Mason Bennett, Troy Parrott not exactly a target man but excuse me a very good goal getter Tom Bradshaw the same um, and hope that I mean if two or three or even four of them aren't firing at least one of them is um, and they, they, they can rotate accordingly, right? Um, but this season, as you pointed out, Aki, I mean, beyond Jed Bullis, their top scorer has got one, um, which, which really yeah. says everything. But this is the thing. It's not just scoring goals with Jed Wallace, it's the chance creation, whipping in those free yeah. kicks. I mean, last time I was at the Den, it was following Charlton away. I, I, I was in the away end, and uh, it was a pretty one-dimensional tactic approach from, tactical approach from Millwall. But at the end, it was just get a corner in the last minute, not uh, lump Matt Smith, Matt Smith on. He heads it in. That's all you need to do. And but without the fire, without the support, uh, these target men aren't exactly the most technically gifted target men in the league. So they struggle. And Millwall, I mean, you've got Woods and Williams in midfield, and Mason and Mason Bennett. Uh, they pale in comparison in their creativity to Jed Wallace. So you've got a bit of an imbalance. And yeah, in, in, in essence, they are overly reliant on on one player to, to, to do so much for them going forward. Yeah. And um, I think because they def- they depend on their wing back so much, Marlon Romeo, Shane Ferguson, Malone, um, this uh, uh, really busy fixture list. Is it, it is not helping them, especially with the intensity uh, that me Millwall need to play with. I mean, it's ironic because one wouldn't really associate intensity with Millwall, uh, but this new style that uh, Rowett has implemented does require that. Um, you know, he's hooks onto the new. Uh, well, I say new, the 2019, I should say, 
overlapping centre-backs uh, tactical training. Yeah, well, they need to. And Malone and Romeo start need, uh, need to start uh, putting in crosses and through balls and yeah. whatnot. Uh, you know, such that the likes of Jed Wallace and Tom Bradshaw yeah. can actually get in behind. And, you know, Ryan Leonard also, I think I think it was Leonard or Bradshaw, one of them, who was their first million-pound signing. Yeah. Uh, it's about time either one of them starts delivering. Yeah. Um, another team who is looking dangerously impotent and stale at the minute is uh, a club we love to talk about in Nottingham Forest. Um, I think me and you... Both thought that by now, if not on a good run of form, Nottingham Forest would look a lot more exciting and buzzy. If that's well, the latest word from the Athletics coverage of Nottingham Forest yeah. is that the R word, uh, relegation. Uh, look, people don't want to talk about it, but it's about time Forest start playing like they're in yeah, a relegation. I think that's a good you get what I mean? Like, it's a realistic prospect and. The fact of the matter is, you can't put it off for longer. Yeah. The longer you keep the charade up, the deeper you'll get the, the irony, So start playing with the most. Yeah, the, the irony is that um, uh, <laughs> it, it's difficult because, like, we, we all know Chris Hutton from his uh, promotion CV, as it were. With Brighton and Newcastle, uh, but he's also, uh, you know, you know, being down in it in the Championship. I mean, you know, Brighton had two seasons where they finished around twentieth or nineteenth, and he had to pick them up again. And I, I think he's going to have to channel that style of management uh, for this Forest side um, to get. Well, one one thing I want to bring to your attention, Alf. Management is one thing, but that article I sent you today, and one of the one of the most deep pieces I've read in the Championship. The problems at Forest are one of the most... Intr- this is above oh, yeah. management. This, this, no manager can do anything about this. But with their ownership, it's better than what they had with Favaz, but it's still not perfect. Uh, there was a great comment about them. Marcakis or Marakakis runs this club like he wanted them in the Premier League yesterday, yeah. if you get what um, I mean. But on on and, your point of ownership, Haki, um, I mean, at least from my understanding, wasn't one of the main... Uh, motivations or at least benefits in 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 getting Hutton in as the appointment is that he's very good. I mean, obviously we know this from his time at Newcastle under Mike Ashley. He's very good at you know disconnecting the off-field madness from the on-field performances, and you know he's good at just focusing on you know getting points on the pitch simply. No, but this is the problem. Uh, there's so much intervention from the ownership in the manager's job. Uh, have you heard of their bombs? Um, is that a reference to uh, their Greek ownership? No, that's a reference to the fact that they have too oh, many players, oh, or they have had yeah. way too many no, players. No, no, no. And what happens is, is that they, the fact, the players who aren't part of the first team plans, they train separately with the under twenty threes. They're not allowed anywhere near the first team. In fact, in the athletic article, Tani Taylor made an amazing story. Of this. Uh, a first-team player who was not part of the first-team plans uh, went in to get an omelette uh, from the club canteen and th- the chefs had to say no because this is just for the first-team players. So if you're out of the setup, you're out of the setup. And this, no. is a hum- this, is, this humiliates players, if you get what I mean, Alf. And this is not a good situation. And this is what I mean. You can get whoever you want in, but the ownership are, you know, unnecessarily intruding in places where they shouldn't. Uh, he's he's bringing players in from Olympiacos time and time again. 
and he's just making uh, people do things. And the chief executive, he's got a complicated Greek name. It's something with V. It's like Belt's loss or something like that. Uh, he's an absolute menace. He keeps visiting the training ground time and time again to check up on the players. Uh, he's not very welcome there. Uh, the players don't smile when they're around him. And, you know, I'll leave you and our listeners to read the article if you can. But again, th- these are problems above any manager. And especially the tale of Aito Karanka and how bad the relationship was with him when... Uh, because bear in mind, they were doing very yeah. well under yeah. Aito Karanka. They were just outside the playoffs. But he left. He wasn't sacked. He left uh, based on mutual agreement because he just couldn't take it anymore. The, the relationship was so bad. In, in Now, the, the thing is... Uh, Nottingham Forest ownership, they reduce ticket prices, they want to expand the city ground. In that respect, from kind of a fan's perspective, you say they have the right idea, but on the pitch they are way too impulsive and impatient and have the wrong structures in place. It's it's very unprofessional in a way. So I, I'd urge you all to read the article, but again, uh, don't judge Chris Hewton too harshly on what he does on the pitch, because there are people pulling strings off the pitch who aren't helping um, by doing that. I, I completely agree with your point on the impulsivity of it all. And, you know, the, the point you raise about um, uh, their just, you know, overcrowded as it were, first team squad uh, is, is so valid. I mean, we look at look at Bournemouth, right? I mean, they've, they've got about, what, like 15 senior players? Really? Um, well... I think it was Lamucci, whoever at Forest said, we all, we need 23 players, no more. And if you look at their squad list, there's, there's a solid 36 of them uh, and players you just don't need who are good quality players. I mean, Ben Watson signed for Charlton and they didn't even give him a goodbye on Twitter. Yeah, or anything. I mean, and yeah, and exactly. Captain. And, you know, an, an absolute mainstay uh, of their side um, last season. And it's so frustrating because, I mean, like, like logically, everything is there with Hewton, right? So maybe we just need to give it time. Like, he's, I mean, he has V-Winger in Tony Knockout, right? But he's also got Joe Lolly, um, uh, Simoes, um, good quality players going forward. I mean, with Lewis Graben and um, Lyle Taylor, um, two of the best number nines in the business for the championship. Um, Joe Worrell's one of the best centre-backs in the championship. So, so it is there. Romero yeah. is popular there. Uh, Cyrus Christie brings Premier League experience. Not hard can score, as we saw on this. Harry Archer, of course. You know, there are good players in this team. But again, uh, I stress that the manager doesn't have full control yeah. of the team selection either. Um, we've uh, we touched, or uh, we've mentioned Norwich. Um, uh, I think we should discuss them because... Uh, one of the highlights of the weekend and a game I found very intriguing, well, in terms of entertainment on Soccer Saturday, was the yeah. Norwich Sheffield Wednesday game. Well, I mean, incredibly and, entertaining. Uh, and I mean, this is this is quite incredible. Um, <laughs> that might be that side's It's very impressive, sorry, what, what, what Norwich are doing right now. I mean, we, we've discussed their obscene injury crisis. And I mean, um, uh, Todd Campwell um, and Mario Vrancic uh, were added to that. Um, for Tuesday night's game, uh, Wednesday, Wednesday night's game against Nottingham Forest, sorry. Um, and they just they keep getting wins, um, which it, which is quite remarkable. I mean, it wasn't something that they were really doing, playing poorly in the eighteen nineteen season. Um, well, look, um, when yes. he is coming back on form, 
secret we know, like this team were world beaters in eighteen nineteen. Uh they're still together. There's competence in there. I mean the likes of Gibson and Hanley and Max Aaron's we know is a fantastic right back at this level at least. Uh they just have uh, enough quality in that team and even though they've got enough of that, I mean Vrancic, Skip, Wendy, Stieperman and Pookie, that's enough to scare the, the shorts off any championship team, in my opinion. And But having said that, Sheffield Wednesday did well in what they intended to do, which is play the Pulis way. They got their typical uh, headed goal from across, but then they became too passive, as some Sheffield Wednesday fans Yeah, said. I think um, there's a... Uh, but, uh, we, we, we've said this with, like, managers who are who we just assume are going to come in and magically turn the form of the team around the humans. Obviously, one of them, but Tony Pulis is another. Um, and his preferred tactics just aren't really delivering the goods of a moment. I mean, it, it, it's not like Huddersfield in midweek had to work hard for the win. They're not should have been ahead against Neville Wednesday before they went 1-0 down. Um, oh, yeah, I mean... There was also it could have been three 0 Yes, two, yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, what a lovely goal, by the way, Huddersfield's first goal. Josh Coromer, uh, he's a player really uh, uh, making the step up from League Two, which is really nice to see. Um, and you know, we we we've waxed lyrical about Corbran already. Um, but I mean, can we can we see a philosophy materialising under Tony Pulis, or at least you know uh, maybe a, a string of decent results and confidence building? get points where you can keep them up. I mean, look, Pulis's teams, they have good... They, they get the points when they need them, but they often have, also have shockers when it all falls apart. I remember this all the way in the Stoke days. Uh, there are... And I think he'll do it. I think they'll be just right enough because this isn't a bad Sheffield Wednesday team and uh, they can go away to the likes of... Uh, well, of course, they've already been to like the Rotherham and teams around them and that was during the Gary Monk era. But they can go to places like... Uh, uh, Blackburn, and they've got Forest away uh, in five days' time, which which will be a very, very big encounter. And I, I think Tony Pulis has the uh, tactical acumen to, to, to grab a win somewhere like the city ground. And they've got uh, Sheffield, Derby County at home uh, and Coventry at home, so big games coming up for them. And I think in terms of not losing, getting a point or three, I, I think they'll do that again. Absolutely. Um, I, I I do agree with that. I mean, I, I still back them to stay up, especially with um with Rotherham's uh, considerable drop off in form. Uh, I think uh, will aid them. Um, another side. I mean, what isn't it a miracle what uh, a week makes in football? Um, or ten days makes. I mean, you know, ten days ago we were saying that uh, Neil Warlock you know, has is, is, is done an unreal job with Middlesbrough and, you know, turned them into a really strong promotion contender, whereas Alex Neal's uh, Preston, I mean, Alex Neal's job security at least was rumoured uh, to be in question. And uh, a week later, and um, uh, Preston are back playing their uh, swanky football and they're only, um, <laughs> only a point behind uh, Middlesbrough, who we were talking so much about. Only, uh, only two weeks ago. Well, let, let, looking at Middlesbrough, let's talk about both their games. They went away to Stoke. Tough place to go, always has been. Uh, they had 52% possession. Uh, they had eight shots to Stoke's nine. It was an even game. and 
that's where, uh, well, it was an even game. Middlesbrough had the opportunities to kind of make things work. But again, that's what Stoke did. You feel like Stoke kind of sat back just a bit and uh, hit them. And uh, they made it difficult for Borough because Borough, while they're founded, of course, on a strong defence, they like to counter-attack, don't they? And I think when you take away their ability to do that, it becomes difficult. And uh, that's it's a very similar game in terms of statistics to what happened at Preston. Yeah, uh, it, it, it really is. Um, uh, as, as, as we know with... Um... With, with Middlesbrough, you know, it, it, it's extremely difficult for them if they go a goal behind. Uh, yeah, they're not built for scoring goals and that's not how they play. And when your defence is also crumbling, well, then the, then your chances of winning are just diminishing well, pretty much next to nothing. So, yeah, I, I, I think there's some hard training round work for them to do and uh, some words need to be had and some form needs to be restored. Uh, they're away at Mill. They're at home to Millwall on Saturday, so I can't. You know, I, I, I think I don't know. Millwall fans don't normally travel that far in numbers, but talk about a game with the nil-nil written yeah. all over it. I, 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 I would uh, agree with that. Um, excuse me. I think you're uh, talking about sorry. Uh, teams who need training sessions. Uh, infographic doing the round on Twitter this morning on um. Blackburn last night at Bristol City where Adam Armstrong took eight of the 13 total shots for Blackburn. So many being taken from outside the box, which, I mean, when you've got a team that sits deep like Bristol City and a great goalkeeper like Dan Bentley in goal, um, it's a very foolish decision. And, I mean, Tony Mowbray will definitely be doing a decision-making training session uh, for Blackburn before the weekend. And I mean, you know, it, it, it's a shame because, I mean, you know, they've looked um, so uh, incisive, exciting, um, full of vigour. Well, a great result at Brentford for them. A, a great game too. Uh, Harvey Elliott has been um, uh, a star of um, uh, oh, yeah. in recent weeks for Blackburn. I mean, his goal uh, at home to Preston where the ball just comes out of him and he just bends it into the far corner without even opening his body up. Uh, was a, was a re- remarkable finish. And um, uh, I, uh, Blackburn will... Um, I, I do think we'll get back to winning ways uh, soon and recharge their, their playoff push. Exactly. And you see how I Liverpool sign Harvey earlier. He can go on to be a decent Premier League player. Uh, where do you want to go next? You want to talk a bit about Brentford and uh, their, how do I say, uh, Frus- their frustrations of them? But you know, we say? Not, not, not quite uh, last season. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I think we have to start, start with our frustrations uh, with, with <laughs> because obviously they're, they're a changed team this season. Um, gone of the days of the uh, exciting. Uh, uh, frivolous uh, BMW going forward um, and they've replaced that with, with a much more um, maybe not defence orientated but a more uh, direct approach going forward with just you know getting balls into the um, I mean I mean, is he the best striker in the league Ivan Tony? Maybe not with Timo Pukki um, 
Well, he's up there in terms of, you know, but he's young. He's got uh, his career. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're just much more streamlined, I think's the word, and uh, effective this season, which um, obviously has its drawbacks when you're, when you're breaking down a deep block uh, like Derby did uh, last night. Um, I mean, look, I mean, as we said, they're slow starters, and I mean, I really don't think a consistent run of wins is far away, and I still think they're um, uh, probably one of the strongest contenders in the league for automatic promotion. Uh, what about do you think they're missing Ben Rahman? It's difficult because, on the one hand, yes, for that, um, you know, like uh, uh, Mercurial. Uh, creativity and uh, that that genius, maybe as it were, uh, that Ben Rama can give. But I mean, they're, they're still getting balls into Tony, um, and, and Rico Henry is um, fitting in well uh, with either Saman Godos or um, even Mark Honda's arm left or Tariq Fossey or whoever it may be, because you know Rico Henry is really taking the mantle himself. Um, so, so they, they still have threats from the left flank. Um, it's just as I say, I think the the loss of Ben Rama, Ben Rama and Rockin, Watkins has just made them a touch more conservative, um, and uh, focusing made them focus on a more streamlined approach to Ivan Tony and also Marcus Force when he comes on. What about uh, Ryan and Wembo? Some say that uh, they're missing the French link between Wembo and uh, Ben Rama, a bit of a Lack of chemistry. I mean, maybe, but I mean, yeah, uh, and Bomo's kind of picked up where he left off last season. I mean, he's still gelling pretty well with the front three. I mean, uh, he missed a, he missed an absolute set last night. To be fair, um, so maybe there's just a shave off his confidence. Um, but but he he's still you know really effective. That you know, like Watkins, like Tony is. Um, obviously Tony and Watkins very different strikers. Um, uh, Tony's a lot more. Um, measured in his running and timed, and you know, picks his moments more than Watkins. Um, but uh, you know, and Bumo's still bits off cutting into a, a quite a lanky figure uh, up front who can you know um, use his feet decently and you know play one twos off each other and you know hold the ball up uh, to bring him into uh, central positions. Uh, and so uh, yeah, uh, I, I think as I say, both. Uh, whole team run of form and an upturn in form for certain individuals like also like Mark Andres Klaus are also not mm. uh, so I think what, we'll what finish on um, uh, City uh, aside to we haven't actually talked that much about this season despite them being uh, Sharia Mars boys yeah. um, they are definitely a side who have shifted emphasis on to being much more defensive this season. I mean, when you look at the centre-backs that they have at their uh, disposal, I mean, young young gems, really. Um, Joel Atabodier and Mark Gay, England's centre-back partnership for the 2017 and Championship. World, World Cup, sorry. Uh, and, um, you know, Ben Cabango in there, who's going to be a stalwart of the uh, Wales team in the future, Ryan Bennett. Um, who's got a little knock at the minute, but I mean, he he brings experience and he was he was just sensational at the start of the season. Uh, Connor Roberts has you know really thrown into Connor Roberts, both their fullbacks yeah. are getting um, really Connor Roberts, what a leap for his header at Forest the other weekend as well. Um, one thing, uh, Aki, Aki, did you see the uh, highlights of the mm. Swansea Bournemouth game? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Um, 
Isn't it? The pitch of the lip. I did not. Um, I've never seen it that bad, and I haven't seen a pitch in the championship that, that bad for ages. Um, Ilan Roberts, who does uh, the BBC Sounds Wales football podcast, said that um, he talked to the groundsman about it. Um, and he said of the rugby team, but I don't, he was like, no, no, no. But he said apparently um, uh, the Swansea team are having to do uh, a fair amount of their team training at the Liberty uh, instead of their training gown, which sounds a bit bizarre. Maybe development or just cost cuts, uh, cutting costs, uh, sorry, is uh, the motivation behind that. Uh, but it's really strange. I mean, they even despite the more defensive mm. focus, they do like build up play. Um, so, so it is going to significantly hinder their style of play going forward. Of course, Jake Bidwell being signed yeah. from uh, Manning GPR, as well, uh, another GPR in that midfield. And um, well, I mean, Andre, Andre, are you? Andre, is, are you? Uh, um, you know, the star of the team, and definitely who they depend on going forward. Because I mean, a lot of the players around him. Jan Dunder, Victor Yersherez, Liam Cullen, all very promising young players, but, you know, not quite at it just yet. Um, so it's important to have a reliable, experienced player uh, like Andre uh, in there. Um, but, but, but Swansea just have every everything you want in a squad covered. Um, you know, Andre Ayew, you know, the experienced forward, Jan Dunder, Casey Palmer, creative number 10, Jamal Lowe, tricky winger. Jake Bidwell and Connor Roberts have consistent fullbacks. You've got um, the creator and sick passer in midfield, and Matt Grimes and Corey Smith, who's a bit of a bastard uh, in there. You know, Victor Gershrez is a good poacher, um, but Liam Cullen's a good uh, target man. Um, they've got experience, Wayne Routledge, um, Carl Norton as well, has been at Swansea for ages now. Um, and, and so all the ingredients are there for them to uh, uh, get promoted this season. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, and yeah. Steve Cooper, and, of and, and he deserves credit. Uh, I mean, obviously, we, we, anyone who watched that England under 17 team will know of the freedom and joy uh, that they uh, played with. Um, so it's interesting to go for this more defensive approach this time round, and I mean, it's it's certainly working. Also, uh, just a quick round up: the top three of the yes. championship were Norwich, Bournemouth, the promoted teams were not dismantled as badly as I thought they were. I mean, Watford still had the likes of Ismail Yassar and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, very strong performance. Could be a straight I mean, back up. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm still not convinced by Watford. Uh, you know, they've uh, lost to Cardiff at the weekend. And, I mean, Rotherham midweek, they, they get two early goals from a set piece and, you know, grind out a win against one of the poor, poorer sides in the division. Not particularly impressive given the attacking talent that they have at their disposal uh, for me. Um, and I mean, you know, in games against Cardiff, especially, where, you know, uh, a clean sheet is an absolute must in that attritional battle of a game, um, which Vladimirovich has been focusing on. Uh, if you fail to do that, um, then, you know, that's just a, a, a fundamental flaw in, in, in their approach to play. Um, I'm much more convinced by Norwich and Bournemouth. Um, Bournemouth are great. Uh, well, Bournemouth yeah, are a surprise uh, because a lot of people underestimated them, including us, Aki. I mean, we both did, and both, you know, said yes, there's a lot of quality in that squad, but I mean, we, Jason Tindall is a complete unknown, and you know, we don't know how that's gonna work, and you know, if they're going to be able to bounce back from a pretty nasty relegation from the Premier League. 
um, you know, he maybe he might not uh, command the same rapport. Uh, that I mean, you have yes, to hand definitely. it to them for that 4 0 win at uh, Barnsley because yeah. Barnsley is such a tough place to go, it's relentless. I haven't the highlights, probably should. Yeah, um, I mean, what a free kick uh, from Diego Rico uh, to get the ball rolling at them. And it also um, uh, good for Sam Surridge uh, to get um, uh, his first uh, competitive uh, goal uh, for Bournemouth. Um, I mean, we all know what a talented tracker he is, scoring on his England under-21 debut in 2019 away in Slovenia. Um, and, and, you know, got a really just nice... Uh, calm left foot uh, on him so hopefully um, that's the start of uh, many goals for him and uh, for Don Tewinkley as well Yeah in, indeed uh, many good signs for, uh, Barn- for, for Bournemouth uh, moving on to League One uh, of course League One teams were occupied with the uh, insert the, sponsor uh, here trophy you want to call it nowadays trophy uh, Insert sponsor here, Trophy. So we won't dwell too much upon that. But going back to Saturday. Uh, so wh- where do you want to start? Yeah, of course, yeah. uh, Lee Johnson. Of course, Lee Johnson. Yes. Uh, so y- y- you, you, you knew a thing or two about Lee Johnson's Bristol side. Uh, Went on many right away days for, to uh, Reading, MK Dons, Ashton Gate itself with uh, one of my best mates, uh, who is a Bristol City fan um, in the Lee Johnson era. Um, It's difficult. Um, Overall, I don't think it's the right appointment. Um, It was discussed on Not The Top 20 Pod, but um, not only is his preferred style of play going to take a while to develop. I mean, he can be pragmatic, like we saw at Bristol City last season, but he likes to play a really nice, fluid 4-4-2. Uh, ideally, like in, I mean, their famous cup win over Man United at Ashton Gate. Um, and, you know, he'll need personnel to do that. Another thing is he can often rub fans up the wrong way um, with with his, the way he talks about the game in quite a philosophical manner, when, um, which, you know, when results aren't going your way, um, that, that's really not what fans want to be hearing, uh, to be honest. Um, everyone was talking about Paul Cook um, and to be honest I think he'd have cost as much as Lee Johnson um, and I think he'd have been a much better fit uh, for the club Well he has a lot uh, of Unbelievable job with Wigan, job with uh, Wigan sorry. Um, and yeah I mean you know like Lee Johnson will look at that performance on Saturday and it it's just a typical Sunderland performance of recent years. Well, well no, no, that's, that's not. I mean, in in storyline, if not if not the performance. Well, I'm talking about typical. Okay. Well, have you well, seen, yeah, the, have I, you I seen mean, the stats? Wigan one. Shot, I mean, in terms of great goal, tragedy, twenty-eight possession. Theme of the game, if not no, the the the, oh, the yeah, manner of yeah. defeat. Tragic here. Um, and so yeah, Lee, Lee Johnson does have a lot of work on his hands there. Um, oh, don't get me wrong, I, I do think they'll get an upturn in form this season. Whether that will be enough to get promotion uh, remains to be seen. Um, and look, Lee, Lee, Lee Johnson's previous forays in, in League One level have both been pretty poor. I mean, average job at Alden, 
disastrous job at Barnsley in 2015 in the relegation zone before Paul Hacking Bottom won uh, four million games on the spin and got them promoted in that same season. Um, and, you know, uh, he did do a very good job at, at Bristol City in his opening season before gradually building up league. So, yeah, it... <laughs> It's going to be interesting to see how long it takes for their style of play to be developed. And hopefully with the new owner, he's got a contract till 2023. Yeah, he'll be backed in the long term. And they have money to spend. Yeah, well, let's hope so. And uh, a difficult start, but he's only been there a few days. Uh, In terms of looking forward for Sunderland... Uh, yes. They Massive. are away at Lincoln Massive on Saturday. Game. Wow, what well, a game to... All of our uh, big hitters, as it were, in uh, League One have peaks and troughs of form. Lincoln City quietly ticking away under Mike Appleton and a lot more um, yes. just... I mean, look, we knew what we were going to get with an Appleton Oxford team, but I mean, it, it seems to be even more so the case with Wigan that, uh, uh, Lincoln, sorry, they're just so, I don't know why I keep on saying Wigan. Uh, they're, they're just so um, sensible in their approach um, and very, you know. I mean, they surprised me, Lincoln, because they came out quite emphatically. Yeah, um, really I mean, look, we, we know the money that, that Lincoln have now. Uh, as offer as a result of their quick crisis success and their cup run and their relatively affluent Omer. Um, and I mean, Michael Appleton's just a brilliant manager to consolidate them as a positively one club and beyond. Um, and while you know, Sunderland, new manager, new style of play getting implemented, um, Lincoln are perhaps a side in the division that know what they are the most, if that makes sense. Um, and so um, yeah. you'd have to edge for a Lincoln win uh, at the weekend. Um, but there are plenty of other uh, fixtures uh, to look forward to uh, in League One. Uh, yeah. uh, quick word on Oxford before we move on to that, Alf. Um, but, uh, look, I mean, we should have beaten Ipswich, but it was a good week overall. I mean, we're now in the relegation zone, but that's only because of results around us. Um but they, look, a draw against Hull is a good result. I, I can't really complain about that, especially the first half, uh, where we did create a lot of chances. Again, it's just this... It's difficult to judge as Hull, is a, Hull are a good side, but just at whatever cost, don't sit back in the second half. We're not good at that. And even more so than that, even more of a frustration than that, I should say, um, is the fact that we've conceded the same goal um, like f- four or four or five times a season. I know it's not the goal from the right-hand side whip ball into the near post and going in at the near post. Like I've talked about previously, it's set piece into a box, uh, half-hearted header away, um, right to a point in the other box and we don't close the shot. Um, or don't close the shot properly, I should add, and, you know, take the geezer out, if anything. Um, so just in- in- incredibly frustrating um, but that's a goal that we conceded. But a draw overall is a fine result. And over the Christmas break and New Year, we've got finally a nice run of fixtures, which, I mean, I don't want to sound like Mr. Eastman, but that has eluded us uh, so far this season. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, back all the rest of me up, as I say that. 
Um, and, you know, we have a notoriously bad record at Blackpool. Um, so I'm not expecting much uh, from Saturday's game. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, so, you know, a mixed signals from Oxford. Uh, Shelton Athletic. Now, yeah. before we talk about the team itself, we have to talk a bit about Lee Bowyer. Because, as we discussed privately, uh, he has been a bit tetchy of late, uh, taking players off early, calling fans out. He apologised for that, of course, this week. But, I understand, you know, there have been times the results haven't exactly been great. Uh, but, yeah, uh, he, he hasn't exactly been his usual stoic, upbeat self. And, uh, you know, the, again, the results haven't been great. Yeah, he, uh, I think it was today. Been said and done uh, he has come out and said that, you know, he misjudged those post-match comments about the atmosphere. And, you know, it's just that he has such a high expectation uh, because they've been so good at feeling uh, the Charlton fan. Uh, is it the covered end in Palmer Gold? Yeah, covered end. Uh, support. Um, yes. And yeah. uh, uh, they'll they'll definitely need to be back on their feet and they're playing a Wimbledon side who have, you know, been focused much more on off-field matters in recent weeks with their return to power lane. Uh, but having said that, they, they, yeah. they, they are... All right, but I mean, as we've talked right. about I in recent weeks, um, you know, this continual tinkering of team selection is is, is very interesting on behalf of Bowyer. I mean, especially with the wingers, as we've discussed, you know, Johnny Williams and Albie Morgan um, seem to be his preferred option. But even sometimes playing a four-three-three of Chips and Eke out wide, um, and I mean the 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 rebirth or birth maybe <laughs> of Chips and Eke is something uh, quite extraordinary. Well, Chuck Sanike, uh, we, he was often the, uh, let's chuck a big guy on, uh, 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 you know, we're one nil down, let's chuck him on. And <laughs> I have to watch it as well. That, and uh, it, it was pretty disappointing. Uh, it, it was, Chuck Sanike on Chuck. was at times painful. But nevertheless, he's found his level, he's turned it around, he's become mobile. And Bowyer's instructions to a strikers are simple. Go in there he's scoring and bicycle kicks. That's what he's done. He's, he's a handful if he wants to be. <laughs> it's just mad. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, none of us uh, none of us could have predicted that. I mean, he's, you know, keeping decent strikers in Omar Bogan and Paul Smith uh, out of the team. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, take, I mean, take Johnny Williams, for example. Uh, he's been put, well, when I say he's been poor, I mean, he was hauled off. 20 minutes after coming on uh, by uh, Lee Bowyer. And uh, similarly, Omar Bogle uh, was also hauled off uh, away at Burton. No, so Bowyer really doesn't mess around if you're doesn't, not performing. I'm sure he'll um, uh, cater to that in front of the Charlton faithful on uh, Saturday uh, even more. And I mean, ho- hopefully there'll be a much more positive atmosphere at the Valley with the uh, 2000 fans uh, from the Wimbledon game. Yeah, but yeah, uh, big derby coming up. Which Halton, hopefully, I mean, MK Don's loss was disappointing because it was such negative football. First uh, South London derby since uh, Melbourne. But nevertheless, uh, yeah, indeed. So unfortunately, no fans. But and it's a slightly more friendlier derby. But you know, hopefully, 
players will show some passion. Uh, yes, uh, so we can have a quick uh, glance over any other points in League One, uh, the League Two. Uh, well, I mean, the, the biggest fixture from last weekend was Bolton three, Port Vale six, and then all the goals. I mean, uh, Cheltenham five, yeah, shadowed by that, um, which, is, which is quite mad. Um, Ian Everett will probably put it down to you know the fact that it was you know just one of those days, uh, as it were. I mean, you know, conceding six even when you um, perform abjectly poor is rare and so when you know you have an even share of the game as they did on saturday um it's quite mad really i mean they were they were like they were four on down by half time maybe even five on down um uh which i mean you know it, it's just an incredible um and things happen in uh, a division where um or at least after a run of form for bolton which has been so consistent uh, maybe we're able to. Yeah, it's difficult. And uh, when your defence is that leaky, that's going to hurt the morale as well for Bolton. And they're a team who, well, I mean, they're, they're not exactly in the promotion picture, but they've been they've had good form and that's going to be a big crash into a wall, if you get what I mean, after, after that. Yes, it, it really will be. To lose to um, six. Uh, it really will be a big blow indeed. Um, I think the fixture of the weekend in League Two is going to be um Leighton Orient against Newport. Um, Newport obviously continuing to win under Michael Flynn, continuing to perform well, dominated Grimsby in midweek, two 0 winners at at uh, Blundell Park. Um, against away at Leighton Orient side who are in a great upturn of form, and I mean look like they could be the real deal uh, this season, which is so pleasing to see. Um, you know after a horrific. Um, 2019, not because of on the pitch stuff, but just having to crawl through a season um, after such a tragic event over the summer. Um, and uh, yeah, like, and I mean, Leighton Orient, you know, I, I think we both agree that Leighton Orient belong in League One. Yeah, Leighton Orient are, they've had some good seasons uh, in the League, the league 70s, One, in the past. yeah, and uh. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, there are some good signs for them, and hopefully they can manage that league. But yeah, a quick word on the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, just just very quickly, uh, we talked about Sheffield United last. Yes, and it's getting dangerous. <laughs> it, it, now. it was such a moving post-match interview because we can see how Wilder cares so much. Um, and you know, he's saying about those big moments. Which is so true, you know, there's big moments which games turn on. And I think implied in that, um, or at least what I read, was also um, obviously Leicester's uh, final goal, which Jamie Vardy runs in on goal for. Um, I find it remarkable that John Egan didn't take the red. Um, uh, not quite in time. I mean, maybe fearful of uh, Sheffield United's selection crisis as it is. Um, I mean, I don't want to think too much outside of the box, but maybe a recall for Reese Norrington Davis um, might be a solution to their problems at fullback. Um, George Baldock hasn't hit the same heights as last season, much as I adore him. Um, I, I think he's out of the what solution, really, to be honest. Um, I think the best. Solution for Sheffield United is not a straying away ideology. It's just 
keep going and keep trying to perform better and keep trying to perform sharper with the same intensity that they did last season and results will come again they will yeah I mean it's not a bad team they have the likes of Sunderberger their record signing in midfield uh, Oliver Burke uh, Ollie McBurney up front so competitive well unit. on that I mean um, I just don't obviously Ollie McBurney scored their only goal uh, the weekend for a set piece um the match of the day commentator of the game uh, made a comment on how uh, that's the first goal that Sheffield United have scored from a set piece since like February or January. Something else mad. Um, and so, like, wow, like, you know, that's at least stereotypically a, a, a fundamental part of a team finding their way to survival. Um, and, you know, Chris Wilder is obviously an astute enough manager um, to be able to do that. And I mean, in 18. 18- 19, yes, 1819. They had some unbelievably sophisticated set piece routines, um, you know, short passes, um, 1718 as well, you know, a lot of short, short passes to deconstruct uh, the opposition, um, mirroring, um, if anyone can remember it, Shrewsbury's got the 2018 League One playoff final uh, against Wolverham. Uh, and so, yeah, um, <sighs> They're going to need to, you know, get goals from more creative ways. Maybe a 3 4 3 instead of a 3 5 2, and just really go helpful ever on that um, uh, backline pressing. Maybe could be a solution. Yeah, maybe that's intense, but then yeah. you don't want to leave. But I mean, you know, it, it could be either John Lundstrom or Harley Norwood, you know, doing the looks of that. Um, uh, so yeah, but I mean, look, Wilder's such a good manager. I, I still trust him to find a solution. Maybe they won't stay up, right? Um, but they're, they're not going to, you know, finish the season on one point. Um, you, you know what I mean? Like, uh, that just seems a non-impossibility, really. No, no, that, that, that is true. And also, Klopp and Wilder's beef need to stop because they're two fantastic men and managers who just, it's not in their nature to beef in the way that they do. So, yeah, let's hope that stops too. And, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's it. That's our look at uh, English football. Uh, I, I would just like to quickly uh, point anything else you want to, quickly um, out? to uh, the fixture that everyone is talking about on the weekend uh, in Man United against Man City. Um, I mean, do we do we see this as a, another start of the Solskjaer cycle of um, micro press, slight upturn in form before another crash. Uh, or... Well, yes. I mean, they're so inconsistent. Uh, Man City, Aguero's returned. They've been pretty emphatic in their form. I mean, good 3 0 win at home in midweek against Marseille. They'll be licking their lips. And Man City have that professionalism that Man United don't in defence in various other aspects. So I think they'll just about edge it. It won't be like last year when he had all of Old Trafford behind him and and yeah, and Man City were reeling from their title race just because the title's still anyone to play for. There's, Man City first need to realise that there's still a long season left and of all teams, they are the ones who can keep pushing for the top. So yeah, yeah in terms uh, of mentality... I think I agree, but City, we'll, uh, we'll look forward to that and we will also look forward to discussing it next week. Yep. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Of course, 
over the Christmas period, games are gone. We are fast. also we will try uh, and perhaps get invade, when we can. Uh, hopefully, we even by next week's uh, edition, uh, be discussing uh, a live game uh, that we'll attend together. Um, be that next year, non league game, or uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, hopefully, we'll hopefully, yeah, we will. Yes, we will. Anyway, uh, thank you everyone uh, for listening. Uh, do join us.